going through it, the journey that the, like the cliche of like the, the journey is more important than the destination. Yeah. I, I promised myself I wouldn't say that, but here we are. Welcome and thank you for listening to Almost Almost Famous, the podcast where actors, writers, comedians talk about the ups and downs, ebbs and flows of working towards making it in this crazy biz and how they're almost, almost famous. I'm your host, Daniel Acker, and today's episode, oh, we've got a fantastic guest, a man who could kill you with kindness, but he's too sweet to hurt anybody. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Colin Murphy. Hey, buddy. Hey, how's it going? A little background, uh, Colin Murphy is an actor, writer, comedian, very funny gentleman. We met while doing Sunday Company at the Groundlings, yes. which is a prestigious theater in Los Angeles. And if you ever have seen Colin perform or do anything, you're struck with how incredibly talented and funny this man is. And if you're like me, you're looking at him going, this guy's going to be famous. Let's <laughs> talk to him before he gets too big for me. Um, that's really sweet. I hope you're, I really hope you're right. <laughs> and the feeling's mutual. Oh, thank you. Thank you. That's why I'm actually doing this podcast. So all my friends tell me how, how talented I am. I just, it's just an ego boost, really. I feel like trying to pursue acting, and especially like comedy, it's a strange yeah. thing because a byproduct or a potential thing is you get famous. Like you get known where like, Someone who's like going to be a lawyer, it's not like someone's going to be like, are you worried about the fame? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a whole thing. Like, but with, with, I guess for you, how would you define like success? Like, will you even know like when it's achieved? Like, will you, will you have it? I think, I mean, when I was a, like when you're like a kid and you're like watching for me, it was like well, SNL, I guess when I was like in junior high, high school, it was like Will Ferrell was coming up and other people like that, you're, you see that person, and you think like, wow, that's like, that level of uh, accomplishment is something that like, I wanted, like, I want so badly. And then like, I think as you get to an adult, and you start to like, find out what like, that comedy life is, and, and the people that you're going to meet, interact with, uh, it sort of like changes your perspective on it. You know, I, I, I guess, there was definitely a time in my life where I was like, man, I would love to be the, like the most famous person in comedy at some point or whatever. But honestly, as an adult, I'm kind of like, that doesn't seem like the great, the greatest thing in the world. I feel like it would be better to like, uh, to have enough of an impact to like be making a living doing comedy day in and day out. But the thought of like multiple people recognizing you on the street and not being able to go out and that kind of thing is, is something that I wouldn't look forward to. Yeah, you'd be more nervous uh, yeah. about the, the trappings of fame. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, but it's funny, you don't think about that when you're just like watching your like heroes on in film and television mm -hmm. uh, when you're a kid and you're like, the reason that you like love comedy is, is something that changes as you get become an adult. Like I think when you, when you're a kid, you like it because it seemed like so glamorous. And then when you're actually living and working in one of the big cities, coming up in the ranks, you're like surrounded by other people that are also like finding that that uh, pathway to fame and and uh, doing this for a living. And you realize, oh, there's 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 a, a limit to how much you would enjoy that. You kind of do a perspective shift on where you are at yeah. and what you would actually want out of life. Right. Absolutely. I mean, now as an adult, I'm like, you know what? If I, if I could wake up every day and my job involves me doing comedy and I'm getting paid to do that and I 
live comfortably, that's enough. Do you see yourself more in the idea of like just television or would you prefer film or like where, where does your kind of like interest lie? Well, it's funny because like when I was in high school, I like I had a my humanities teacher in high school. Uh, Shout Mr. Out. Yeah, Mr. Manthal, if you're listening. Uh, he had it like toward the end of like my senior year of high school. He had us all right about like what's the trajectory? What like where do we see ourselves five, ten, fifteen years down the road? And uh, I like had this whole thing mapped out. I was like, I'm gonna go to college. Uh, I think at this time I had already like been accepted. You know, it's like senior year of high school, so I was getting ready to go to Gonzaga University. Go 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 Zags! Gotta give them a shout out. Uh, and uh, so my whole trajectory that I wrote out uh, this paper, I don't even know why this would apply to humanities. I don't know how this ended up happening, but it, he just needed to fill the time. It was, yeah, yeah. He, was just, <laughs> he was just like, oh God, I'm done. I'm done teaching. I'm, just write about your goals. I'm, I'm making him sound like he's not, a, like he was a fantastic teacher, a really good teacher. Uh, but yeah, we were probably watching movies or something like that. And that I like mapped out with it. Like I go to college, and then I was gonna go to like LA. I was gonna get involved in the Groundlings Theater because like I, that's where I knew like my heroes at the time, like Will Ferrell and like Kristen Wiig was starting at that point, I think. And so I like I put I'm gonna go to college, get my education, go to LA, gonna get involved with the Groundlings, gonna move my way up through the ranks there, get noticed by SNL, get on SNL, have a great stint there, and then and this is like to this day, actually this to this day, if this happened, I still would be happy. Uh, end up being a sitcom dad on a tv show that ran for, like that was that was, that was part that of was, the trip. that was the 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 like yeah the like the climax of the career would be a, being a tv dad so basically a, you're like let me cut my teeth at these really amazing yeah. places like let yeah. me just get my chops at the groundlings at snl yeah but when i get to that sweet age of like yeah. 40s tv dad TV dad all the way. Like you don't I, even I, have to be the first build. I know. You can just be no. third build. I can you just be, come in. I, yeah, I'm happy to be the like, the, the, the secondary character. Mr. Wilson on Home Improvement would have been enough for me. That would have been. <laughs> you don't even have to see your full face. No. You're just like. I don't, even, yeah, I don't even need people to know it was me. <laughs> oh my gosh. So humble. Uh, I love that. I love the thought. And I feel like, yeah, of course, like you've got, yeah, I'm sure you've heard this before. You've got kind of a like young Ty Burrell vibe. Uh, like you could crush a TV dad, like easily. Uh, it'd be, it'd, it'd definitely, I've had that. I, I, I feel like some point, I, I, everybody, I feel like everybody has an age that like, if they were this age for their entire life, that would be the right age for them to be. And I've always felt like 42 was like my, so like it's like being it like so but like the thing is like if you're supposed to be 42 your whole life like when you're 10 years old it's like you, you don't quite fit in yeah exactly. why, why is this kid uh, mowing the lawn and waving at the neighbors why is he wearing socks with sandals <laughs> yeah, yeah uh talking about sun protection <laughs> yep yep you gotta watch out for those uv rays yeah so if you're a tv so sitcom dad if you could pick what would be your like catchphrase I guess it would, I would want, I would want it to be something that my dad would say. I, I feel like it, it's too cliche, but something, something, something about the shoes being where they shouldn't be right when he comes in the door. Right? I, mean, I love it. He's always complaining about 
Like who the shoes. put the shoes in the oh. closet? <laughs> Again? I wish I could just make one. It had to be a one word. Uh, Again? I think again, like that would be perfect. The thought of like being on a on a set and having them do do that take twenty million times, where I literally just say the word again over and over again. Yeah, there you go. There's a catchphrase for you. And it's it, it's great because it's simple and it would work in so many scenarios, like. An episode where you like you walk into a ladder and a paint can falls on your head. You're just like again, yep. and then no. you know I'm picturing live studio audience just loving this. So everyone listening, just we predicted it. Keep your ears and eyes peeled for the new Calm Dad. Dad, Colin Murphy. Like seriously though, I did always like the like I did always. I I love my dad. My dad was. I had a, fantastic dad uh but like seeing those sitcoms dad on there like it always seems like a very prestigious when you're a kid it seems like a very prestigious like acting job to be like america's dad on a sitcom which like over the years it like transformed a different actor i think that's amazing that at relatively young yeah. life you were aware that's your sweet yeah. spot you weren't like yeah. i want to be like I'm gonna be the young heartthrob, comedic guy. Like you're yeah. like, no, get me that dad. I mean, every. I mean, obviously, everybody was trying to tell me that was what I was gonna be. Mm -hmm. But you know, you know, I just I fought it tooth and nail. Yeah. Uh, I will not be the young heartthrob. <laughs> I'm going to be. I'm going to be a sitcom dad. Which was against type. You were like, I know I've got this Adonis look, and I <laughs> oh should capitalize God. on it. But I know my money. <laughs> I know my sweet spot, and I respect that. I think that's great. Yeah. Um, yeah. You were mentioning uh, like Will Ferrell and Kristen Wiig and like all those people. Yeah. But even before that, or even with those people, like who are some of the people like, especially growing up that you saw doing comedy or performing, like maybe not even famous people, but just people in your life that you're just like, oh wow, like making people laugh is a thing. Oh yeah, I when I was a kid, I feel like the show that I first like watched. This would be like late '80s, early '90s. Um, seeing like how a joke happens, where it's like this, you know, in on, t on a TV show specifically, like you know, there's a setup punchline. How that plays out is was the TV mm. show Cheers. I used to watch that a lot when I was a kid because you kind of watch, you end up watching whatever your parents yeah. watch, and they were watching Cheers. So you're, you know, when you're five, six, seven years old, uh, seeing <laughs> George Went come in as Norm, walking over to his stool, and there was always like a one-liner that that always hit too, which was so funny and a credit to, to the writers on that staff. But I think it's, uh, yeah, that, that, I guess that would be like, I remember like watching like George Went. I actually thought Sam Malone was a very funny character. I'm a big Ted Danson fan. I think Good Place, all the, you know, Good Place. He's been doing it, we've been doing it now for like 40 years. Yeah, like so consistently yeah. having hit shows and all I've heard is how mm -hmm. incredibly nice and great he is where you just go, yeah, of course, like, yeah this is one of the men you want to look after your baby and that was according to three men and a baby it's pretty amazing that at yeah. a young age you like you saw kind of the in a way the formula of the joke you were like oh this is what's happening like mm -hmm. someone says something yeah. and then someone says something very funny afterwards like it's it's not this like oh that's just the only funny person it, like you see the importance of yeah kind of the whole dance of it yeah no of course it's uh it definitely stuck out to me yeah, from a very young age. I think that was like, and I've had other friends who've had similar experiences experiences to this, but 
there's a lot of movies, especially like in the 80s and like early 90s, a lot of comedies that you probably wouldn't like have like a, a kid watch. <laughs> but I always felt like my parents, if, if it was funny, anything Bill mm-hmm. Murray did, uh, I got to see probably way sooner than I should have. Like, I, I feel like there was, I feel like I saw Caddyshack a number of times when I was a kid and it would always get to like some nude scene and my parents would be like, oh, we forgot this was in there. But that like that early exposure, like that, you know, for for a kid, and I and I and I'm one of five, so I've got like four mm-hmm. brothers and, and a sister. And so you, but one of five, but you had older siblings. I, I had an old, older, two older and two younger siblings. Dead so middle, like yeah, very. You, but I found growing yeah. up, like I'm the youngest of four. But like when you have older siblings, yeah, they also start watching stuff. Like you know, like you kind of thrust yeah. into like right. I don't know. I feel like I was mm-hmm. like you, like probably way too yeah. young to watch certain things, but. Yeah. At the same time, very glad I did. Yeah, I, I think so, especially with comedies too. Like, there, there's like a lot of movies that I probably would not have seen when I was young. Like, like under the age of seven, it's almost like my parents are like, "Oh, they can watch it, whatever." You know, they'll just hold their ears, close their eyes at certain parts. But then, like, you get to like after seven to like fifteen, sixteen. They got real intense about like no R-rated movies. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, it's so funny. It's almost like they get to that point where they realize I don't know that you're gonna you're gonna try these things that you're seeing. Yeah, they were like, well, they haven't formed any any you know short term or long term memories by age seven. It was like the assumption. It's like they can watch whatever they want. Yeah, They're yeah, never yeah. gonna remember this stuff. Not no. at all. Yeah, which goes against everything we know now about oh, childhood yeah. development. But <laughs> which, oh, definitely. You're, instead you probably just did what everyone did which was go to the friend's house with the like laxed or bad parents and you watch all the most horrible stuff yeah oh yeah oh yeah 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 yeah. i i mean i and to my parents credit i was like the safety friend like i would i was the friend that if you told your parents i was gonna be there they assumed nothing was gonna oh. go wrong <laughs> like his, his parents are strict uh, oh, got you. So friends would want you to come over because they could tell their parents, like, no way, Colin's going to yeah. be there. And the friends' parents, they'd be like, oh, that's it, come, Dad? He's such a sweet boy. I mean, we probably had similar, like, kind of friend groups growing up where, like, everyone was watching the same shows. Everyone was taking this in. Like, what was it yeah. about, like, for you that made, yeah. like, in a way, you and I and all these people I'm going to be talking to, like, the audacity to pursue this? Like, what, what do you think gave you that, like, drive? Or what was the, like, a maybe initial thing at some point in your life where you're like, yeah, I'm going to do this? I mean, I guess from, like, time, like time I was, like, in third grade, like, grade school and, and junior high, there were a few times where I got opportunities to, like, be in plays and stuff like that that were going on. And then in high school, uh, we had a really, like, I went to a public school up in the northwest, like, near Seattle area. And... Uh, the program there was really great. The theater program there was re- really great. And I remember I was so excited my sophomore year at that time, it was junior high in the Northwest at that time was like seventh, eighth, ninth grade, which would be your freshman year. And then you go to the high school for sophomore, junior, senior. So my sophomore year was my first opportunity to audition for this great director at this uh, theater program in my high school. And it was just, probably the worst and most awkward point I had like braces and and like I I could not speak to save my like I I want like with braces maybe more so than other people but I feel like everybody has issues because like it expands your mouth and so like I went in audition I just did so bad 
And I was like really dejected by that, really like hurt by that. Cause I was like, oh, I was just so excited about it. And I, I sort of like walked away from it. And then I actually ended up as, as luck would have it uh, through a friend, I forget how I got involved in it, but the uh, debate and speech program. And they had like uh, competitions. Uh, There's like the debate side of it where, you know, people who I'm assuming were gunning to be the next president of the United States wanted <laughs> to compete in the debate. <laughs> Uh, but on the speech side of it, they had um, a lot of things that were designed for like performers to do like what was known as, uh, I'm not sure if it's the same now, but it was like 15 years ago, but humorous interp where it'd be like somebody would perform like a, a piece and they'd play all the characters and you'd pick a, you know, some play or something like that. And you'd do an excerpt from it. I just remember really enjoying that. And then another uh, category that you can, could, could compete in was improvisation. And you basically would get like a prompt and you'd get five minutes to talk about whatever you wanted based on that like one word or one sentence prompt. And I feel like I, that was the first time I was like, oh, I, I really like want to do this. And in fact, I did that and, and actually had some success doing, you know, going to competitions and things like that. When I go home, that's if I have any trophies at home, it's from that. <laughs> you know, I've got those old trophies in the attic. They're, they're yeah. not a football trophy. Uh, I, I know that's shocking. I, I wasn't strong, but I also wasn't I was uh, wasn't fast either. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> a, a deadly combo on the football. <laughs> deadly combo on the football. Uh, so yeah, uh, so I, I I really got into that. I think that was like something that really it was a way to it was it, it provided a way for me to like try and get people to laugh and be funny and creative. Like I, it wasn't just a matter of like normal conversation with your friends where you're goofing off. That was like the first practical practical application of trying to be funny is being a part of this like debate and speech. In the end, uh, you know, as I got toward the end of my like high school career, I found out uh, that uh, at, at Gonzaga or where I went to college, they had like a really fun short form improv uh, team there that'd been around for a number of years. So I was like really excited to do that. And that's I think my freshman year when I started doing that and doing really well with that group and getting to be in shows uh, before a lot of freshmen were even asked or allowed to do that. I was, I was like, oh, well, I, I would do this if no one paid me to do it ever, mm -hmm. which, is, which, is, which is a really, really good moment and a really sad moment at the same time. You're like, oh, man, I'm going to do this if nobody's going to pay me. Yeah, no one asked for it. Uh, Nobody asks if even if nobody's asking for it, it's all I want to do. Yeah. So I want to do it. And thankfully with improv, that's usually the case. Yeah, that's true. No one's no one's asked, no one's paying. <laughs> <laughs> no one's asked. Uh and then also in college, I I was a I'm like a broadcast broadcasting major and we produced like new shows for the campus and also they let us produce like a comedy show. So that was like the first time I got to write and perform comedy. I'm sure there's a DVD somewhere floating around my apartment of those old shows, which hopefully we'll never see the light of day. Oh man! Uh, but they special might. features for sitcom dad. I mean, that, if you want to, if you yeah, if you want to know my worst fear of becoming famous, it's those resurfaces. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, no, no. It was a lot of fun. Actually, it was, it was a lot of fun. I think it's more. I think when you're when you're in college in like high school trying to produce that kind of stuff, even if it's a funny idea, you're just like, man, we got the sound wrong. Yeah. There's always, it's always a little cringeworthy. You just look a yeah. little too baby face. Your jokes aren't hitting Why? as well. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Like, you know, for most, you know, 
actors getting famous, it's like, oh, some things from their mm. past being dredged up could be really detrimental. And yours is like, they might see me put on a campus radio show. <laughs> no. Oh, God, no. No, it wasn't a radio show. The, the, it, was li- it was live, and then we'd throw to, like, segments. It, w- it was right around the time Anchorman had come out. So we definitely tried to do our version of Anchorman, which is, as you might imagine, a lesser version of it. <laughs> yeah, somehow. What was yeah, so yeah. interesting about I Never Knew That is that I guess unlike, you know, what people would think would be the common trajectory is like, yeah. you got involved in theater and loved it and that was that. Like you had an interest mm-hmm. in theater, but like almost yeah. what, a, what a godsend to bypass theater, which as someone who did a little bit of high school theater, there's moments where yeah. you just get like weird notes or it's an awkward time, but like speech and debate, which I never did, but we had a decent right. program. I know for like the speech side or the improv, there's a lot of like self-discovery in that. And like you yeah. as a actual performer, instead of being at the whims of the director or what the lines were in the play, what even what your character might've been, you mm-hmm. were practicing on just becoming like a performer for yourself. It was definitely starting out more of like, oh, I just really enjoy doing this. I'm just going to find a way to keep doing this. Like, there wasn't a thought past that, I, th- I think. I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess when I was, yeah, like, when I was a kid and at some point I was like, oh, man, what a, what a dream to like try and like, I'll oh, get on like SNL or get on like a TV show or like a movie, like get involved in comedy. But then you like start, I think it, like the thought of it versus like doing it once I started doing it, I just enjoyed doing that more. I feel like, you know, I've lived in LA probably like, what is it now? 12 years or something like that. And in that time I've had friends move down, move away. And it's like, a lot of them are like, Oh, well I, you know, I just don't want to like, like, like do it anymore. And I get it. Like I get it. But for me, it was like, I can never see that moment coming where I'd be like, Oh, I, I want like, I, I still have that same drive to like, do this whether I make a lot of money doing it or not yeah I feel like I I feel like you almost have to get to that place exactly there's a there's almost like the actual doing it and pursuing it and being creative Mm -hmm. is more of a drive and more of the fuel Mm -hmm. than the actual result or the reward like I remember like when we would perform together like shows were great we'd have a blast during the shows but like sometimes even just like pitching stuff or getting together and writing was like more fulfilling and more exciting oh yeah yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I totally agree. I, I think, I think I can't speak for people that have gotten really famous in comedy or you can't speak about it yet. I go, uh, hey, hey, well, uh, but it, it seems like they're, you know, that like when you're that going through it, the journey that the, like the cliche of like the, the journey is more important than the destination. Yeah. I, was, I promised myself I wouldn't say that, but here we are. The other, the other. Well, I'm sure you. I'm sure you'll edit it out. <laughs> It'll be repeated oh, yeah. several times throughout. <laughs> People will be like, oh, "Okay, this guy's really into that maxim." Oh my gosh! Oh, this dad catchphrase. Yeah. <laughs> Son, the journey is more important than the destination. It's true, but at the same time, I feel like, man, that destination seems pretty sweet. The destination keeps getting pushed a little bit. Like it's. It's yeah. in a positive or sometimes negative way where it's like it's, it could be detrimental if you keep looking and it's always away from you. Mm-hmm. But if you look kind of like reflect on the past, you might go like, oh, I, I have come a long way. Like I have achieved these things. I've reached these destinations. 
And I think that goes to also connecting with like relatives and friends. You know, for instance, if you're in like New York or LA, there's like, like smaller accomplishments that like never get seen just because it only really happens within this confined mm. comedy community or uh, like things like getting on like house teams at different theaters. And for listeners who don't know, the house teams would be. Oh yeah, like uh, at the you know there's like the you know the Groundling Theaters where we performed at, and uh, also uh, Upright Citizens Brigade. They have teams of performers, improvisers, and sketch comedians, uh, all that sort of thing. Uh, like they have house teams that perform weekly, monthly. I mean, they're not easy to get on, but those like are stepping stones to other things. A lot of times for people to get their, you know, it should be like for people to get a chance to like get on stage and, and just improve themselves and find their voice even more, I think. And, it, and when it works at its best, it's hard to explain those types of things to someone outside the comedy world. It's like, oh, I got on this really cool team. Oh, what's that? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're, it's like, it is an yeah. accomplishment, but to anyone back home, it's like so you perform at this place once a week. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah it's great. I love it. And they're like, right. and you make money? You're like, no, 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 no. No, no, no. No, <laughs> no, no, no money. Not at all. I pay them. Yeah. <laughs> they make a pretty penny off of me. <laughs> well, I guess this kind of dovetails into something I've always thought of like, have you had moments or times when you've been like, you felt like in that moment you've, you've made it? Yeah, I, I feel like that uh, you know, I ended up getting on the Sunday company and performing with you. And then literally a month and a half before that, I was put on what's known as a Herald team at Upright Citizens Brigade, which is sort of their, their main improv teams there that are also, both those things are, you know, a lot of people are trying to get to that point. So when it happened for me, like both those things happened after, you know, this is probably like, five, six years living in LA, both those things happened a month and a half apart. Uh, it was like, oh, I'm just gonna sit back and wait for the offers to come in. But I think it was like a good lesson in that those things are, are all important, like getting, you know, getting you know, reps and things like that, doing those teams. But at the end of the day, you, you, you've got to like, try and get out there and sell yourself as much as you can, especially now. Yeah. For sure. But that was definitely a time where I remember feeling like, oh, I, like, cause I, I worked hard at it. I auditioned, you know, which is common for, you know, house teams at in the comedy theaters in LA and other places to audition. I auditioned a few times and finally got on. And it was like, it may, I don't know that I, that I felt like I'd made it, but I felt like, oh, people that are evaluating whether or not somebody can do this successfully, here's a couple of checkpoints for this guy yeah you, you know, this person. you were on the list like there's a party and you got waved in you might not be right. in the vip section yet but, right. but they were like we like what we like what you're wearing we like how you look yeah, yeah. i yeah. i could totally see that because you know for anyone listening who doesn't quite get it it's very tough to get on a herald team at ucb and it's very tough to get in the sunny company at the groundlings but to get on both and also at the same time because they're both big time commitments so yeah. it's it it is an impressive feat that I think Colin is probably in a a class of of a few who can say they did both at the same time and did them both well. And I get what you're saying. Yeah. Like it's not necessarily like you weren't just like, and I'm done. I've made it. it right. But it it feels like, oh okay, the path I'm walking, I'm headed in the right direction. 
it helps yeah because it's very tough like it's very hard like you want to feel good about yourself and believe in yourself but it's also yeah. a fine line to become delusional oh yeah be like i got this but like Wait, what? Yeah. This is what it's all been building to. What is it about? <laughs> okay, God, I need to break it to you. No, Daniel, no, you, you fooled me. I'm your friend. You actually weren't on those teams we just let you think you were. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Uh, but yeah, it's hard to be like, there's so many moments, and unfortunately, a lot of it comes from external as well as internal, but like to get those kind of thumbs up from people of like, yeah, this is, you're doing good. Yeah. Makes you go, takes like a sigh of relief. It, it was definitely a rewarding experience. And the, like the, the end of that story that I, by, you know, two years after that point, I was no longer on like Sunday company and I was no longer on a Herald team. So it's like just that kind of stuff just ebbs and flows. You know, you get those opportunities, those opportunities uh, go and you get a lot of positive stuff from that. But then it's like, oh, that thing you thought was a thing isn't the thing that, got you to where you thought you were going to be. Yes. Uh, yeah. Um, not so much a one-to-one. It's sort of, and right. I, yeah. I feel like the longer you're in it, the strength comes from remembering that you can survive the ebbs. Yeah. yeah. And being like, oh, okay. Like, right. I've been through this where like I was busy and felt like I was working and doing a lot of stuff. And now I'm not doing anything and it's terrifying, but I know yeah. it's not going to last. I remember, you know, after, because I was in Sunday Company at the Groundlings for about a year and a half, and after that ended, it was sad because I, I enjoyed it so much. It was in such a fun year and a half, and I learned so much. But your desire and, like, motivation to, like, keep producing stuff doesn't go away when you do that for a year and a half because it's such a, such, a, such a grind putting up new stuff every week, which ever since that year and a half, I feel like leading up to that, I wasn't nearly as motivated as I am after that year and a half because you want to keep doing stuff and keep writing and trying to get, you know, opportunities to perform. So Yeah. Well, before you get too famous, I got a buddy who's going to stop oh, by. No. I got a friend. He's, he likes to stop by on these things and just kind of uh, okay. drop people down a peg. So let's see if uh, this, my old friend, the insult comic, Raz Clifford, wants to stop by. Oh my gosh, I've heard of him. I've heard of Raz Clifford. I've seen him before. He's usually not too friendly to people. <laughs> okay, okay. Who am I talking to? Who's this? I'm Colin. Colin Murphy. Oh, Colin Murphy. Hello, everyone. It's Raz Clifford, the greatest in top comic in the world. Oh, okay. Um, so we're talking with Colin Murphy, the human megaphone. Okay. Okay. I think okay, I've, well. I've heard you before. Miles away, squawking. Uh, okay. So, Daniel, this podcast called Almost Almost Famous. Uh, yeah, that's, that's right, Raz Clifford. I think for this guest, we're going to have to change the name to Almost 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 Famous. I think that gives a better kind of view of where he's that's at. That that's fair. That's fair. I, I think you could. You could. I don't know if you needed that ninth and tenth almost, but you know. Trust me, we did. We did. Okay, that's fair. We that's needed fair. it. I I gotta say, Colin, I did a little research before we started talking. Oh God! Oh no! And I I gotta say, I really love what you're doing with your IMDb page. The aesthetic. Oh, no. The aesthetic of a blank page. It's oh, beautiful. No. 
It's very serene and calm. Anyone who really wants to see just a clean white sheet, go to Colin Murphy's IMDb. <laughs> Raz, I, I'm, I got to thank you because until this point, I didn't know I had an IMDb page. <laughs> well, it, it's loose to say you have one. Who knows? Okay, that's fair. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. I would say, you know, before I hop off, this is just to, you know, knock these, these wannabe actors trying to be famous down a peg. I need everyone out there, all the listeners, to know that Colin likes to have sex with cream cheese. And there you go, buddy. I just started your first smear campaign. All right, all right, Raz. Okay, Raz, you got to get out of here. Don't worry for the listeners out there. Colin does not actually have sex with cream cheese. That is just something that Raz, Raz likes to throw around. Yeah, yeah, clearly, clearly that's not true. <laughs> clearly. So everyone, just stop. <laughs> stop with that news. Stop spreading that. Do you ever like fantasize or think about like getting on when you're a guest on like a late night show and like having a story? I probably would tell them about the time I got impeached from being like the president of uh, my sixth grade class. Okay, so let me let me see if I can like set you up for this. So, so Colin, uh, this is funny. I mean, uh, we have a president currently who's been impeached. You're no stranger to that, right? I, in sixth grade wasn't there a little scandal? Yes, I, I am familiar with impeachment. I uh, was impeached uh, as the sixth grade president at Sunrise Elementary School. <laughs> brutal. Very brutal. Uh, I, was, I was caught red-handed stealing uh, fruit snacks. <laughs> <laughs> fruit snacks from the cafeteria. Yeah, I brought a sack lunch, the fruit snacks for the people, for the kids that brought, had bought lunches that day, and I, I, I did get caught red-handed. Uh, I was impeached. I, uh, I, I refused to resign. <laughs> you wouldn't let him take you down. I felt, I, felt, I, felt, I felt like the Congress, and by Congress, I mean the vice principal was just being too uh, tough on me. I thought, I thought it deserved, at worst, uh, what, 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 they, what do they call it? Is it a, re- a reprimand? Can they do that? Yeah. A reprimand or something. Uh, they didn't have to go all the way to impeachment. Um, and I also, I also felt like the vice president was just gunning for my job. So, yeah. It was. Do you there think was, it was a little bit of a setup? They, they, they had oh cameras on you. They were ready to catch no, you. Oh, oh, absolutely not. It was my fault for stealing fruit snacks. But <laughs> now the question everyone needs to know is, what were the fruit snacks? I didn't get to eat them. I like I had them in my hand. I was walking away. I never got to eat them. I don't even know what they tasted like. Oh I think God. I want to say they were like dino gummies or something like that. Like dino, like gummies. With the taste oh, of I know exactly what you're talking about. Fruit snacks. I mean, I get it. You just were, you just took one pack and they impeached you. I don't want to admit that I was a gullible kid, but I was a pretty gullible kid. And I think somebody like at the lunch table was like, no man, those are free. And I walked up there and I think I would have been too embarrassed to be like, no, no, no. I was convinced. No, this sounds stupid. I just stole gummy snacks. Yeah. What you didn't see, though, is the kid who told you they were free getting $20 from the vice president. Yeah, 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 yeah right. That's fair. And that I was, he was paid off. He was like, tell, start spreading the story that, you know, they're free. Eventually, he'll steal one. And you just hop right up and just stole one. Yeah, I, I can't, I, I feel like at the time I was like, I was sorry. I felt bad. But at the same time, I feel like other people who, there are a lot of people who are like, this is like kind of a silly thing to to go this extreme with the punishment. Yeah. But uh, look, a lesson learned, lesson learned. Well, the lesson should have just been pay for the fruit snacks. That's true. 
Really? Once, I mean, but 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 like once once you're already caught red-handed with them without the the uh, choice to pay or without without choosing to pay, you're kind of like yeah. And now in sixth grade, was your school was that the youngest grade in the school or was no, there like the fifth? oldest kid? Those That's the, the thing. Kid. Yeah. You see the president get a kind of a slap on the wrist for stealing fruit snacks. What's next? Kids are going to yeah. just be like, they're just going to yeah. rob the school. They're just going to take sure. over. You you yeah. you were setting an example in a third grader. Might get some sticky fingers. I, I yeah, I know. I wonder, <laughs> I wonder how many people even knew that that had happened. Oh yeah, you think it was swept under the rug? Yeah, because I feel like it was my friend friend group and maybe like five or ten, five to ten other people that were like, "Oh, you hear Colin Murphy gotten beat?" <laughs> <laughs> you imagine the love- can, you, can you imagine the kindergartners knowing about that? <laughs> like having to explain to them that the president that they voted for and looked up to suddenly is disgraced. <laughs> But why? <laughs> it's like, well, he took something that wasn't his. Why would he Money? do that? Money? Dino, dino gummies. Oh. <gasps> dino gummies? Kids, were, if, if the whole school knew, they probably would have been like, hang him. I, 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 would, I guess like sixth grade me was like, I didn't deserve this. And then adult me was like, yeah, I probably deserve this. <laughs> <laughs> was it pretty early into your term or did you get a couple of good I, legislation passed? <laughs> Uh, I, I feel like it was mid to like, for some reason I remember it being like close to spring. I feel like I did oh. serve out most of my term. So easy. If it was like right. uh, in the fall, you might've been, you might've pushed back a little I mean, bit. Let me, I, let me stay. I was by far a lame duck president at that point. <laughs> yeah. You, you'd done all you could uh, for yeah, this. I know, yeah. I had already passed universal healthcare. It was, it was a done deal. It was cool. You got, AKA you got some band-aids in yeah, the nurse's yeah, office. Yeah, yeah. Gave tax cuts to the wealthier kids. It, it all has. <laughs> You're fiscally conservative. Yeah, very much. <laughs> Colin, thank you. This has been a pure delight. Yeah, buddy. A super treat for me. Same here, man. And seriously, Colin, I just want to thank you for being on Almost Almost Famous because when you inevitably become famous, you'll be too big and it'll be too difficult to talk to you on my podcast. So I'm glad I got you early. Um, Everyone, thanks again for listening. I've been your host, Daniel Acker, and this has been Almost Almost Famous.